This is Fair Examination on the Mormon Faircast. Fair Examination takes a close look at interesting and sometimes difficult issues facing the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its members. How do Mormon parents respond when they find out they have a son or daughter with same-sex attraction? What happens when the child decides to leave the church and engage in homosexual activity? What can parents do to show love for such a child while still remaining faithful to the church? In this episode, two active LDS mothers talk about their experiences raising sons who are involved in homosexual relationships. It should be noted that they will not be referred to by name out of respect for their sons and other family members, and they did not feel comfortable using pseudonyms. This is the first part of a two-part interview. Welcome to Fair Examination. Thank you, Steve. Let's just uh, talk with both of you, and, and we'll uh, conduct this in, in sort of a discussion format. I think the, the best thing to do would be to start out you know, in introducing you to talk about how you found out about your son's same-sex attractions. In my case, my, um, my opinion had been that this was something that my child was experiencing uh, from a very young age. And even though in my heart I, I felt some of that when he actually came out and, and told me uh, that this was a, uh, something that was going on in his life, um, it was a very difficult emotional day and few years after a very emotional day also. How old was he? He was 23. What was your experience? Some things were very similar to my friend here. Um, when he, my son was 14, my husband said to me, do you think there's a chance that he's gay? And I, and it was just, you know, because of some of his interests. He certainly didn't act out in any physical way. But, um, and I said, well, I've wondered, but how could he be? I mean, the st- typical stereotypes, you know, he hadn't been abused. He, his father was heavily involved in his life. And, you know, I, I wasn't a mean mom. Um <laughs> And uh, and that we pretty much left it for a long time. When he returned from his mission, uh, and he still wasn't dating, he had girls loved him. He, I mean, he had lots of girlfriends, but nothing ever t- became very serious or you know steady dating. And um, did, did he go out on dates growing up? Uh, yes, yeah, some, some. He went on a lot of group dates, a lot. But he had boyfriends and girlfriends that you know a large group of friends and. Um, but he never, you know, had one girl that was special to him. And, um, anyway, when he was in his mid twenties after his mission, I, I even asked him once, I kind of circled around it and he said, mom, I'm not gay. Um, later to find out that he didn't describe himself with that cause he wasn't working. He wasn't acting on it when he was, um, 27, 28, I phoned him one night after my sister encouraged me because we were talking about it on the phone. I just called him and I said, Jake, is there something you need to talk to me about? And, um, and silence. And I said, are you experiencing same-sex attraction? And he said, he started crying. And he said, that's why I'm in counseling, Mom. And I, my head just started swimming. You know, it's like, how can this possibly be? Even though we kind of knew it. That's how we found out. So when he initially told you that he's not gay, had he recognized earlier that he was experiencing same-gender attraction? We've, we've talked about this a lot over the years. And he said from the time he was about eight, he knew that something was 
wrong. Something he just didn't feel like some everything was in in line. He felt different. He then. felt different, and he couldn't even put a he couldn't label it because he was so little, so young. But um, as he got older, he he identified as a teenager. But his whole stance was, if I'm good enough, it'll go away. If I'm good enough, it'll go away. And when he came home from his mission, he you know he's that it's got to go away. So by the time he told you that he was experiencing same-sex attraction, how old was he? He was 28. And both of your sons have served missions. Right. Yes. They're faithful Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. Right. I asked her if her son had gone out on dates. What, did your son go out on dates? And what was his relations with uh, girls like? Girls were always his best friends. And he was always asked out on dates. But I don't remember him ever asking a girl out on a date, but he would be the kind of a young man who would, um, if someone wasn't going to a dance and they wanted to go, he would he would always take them. So he didn't, uh, the, the attraction to um, the opposite sex was not until he was much older, although he would say, much like she just mentioned, um, that he had been, uh, he had known these, these feelings existed in him as he was growing up and didn't know how to assimilate them or what to certainly do with them. So how did you initially react when he told you that he was experiencing same-sex attraction? I initially reacted that um, if we would fast and we would pray about this, uh, that, you know, and, and get all the counseling help and everything else that we would need, uh, that that maybe it wouldn't, wouldn't be so real. Okay. How about you? Well, I, you know, initially just heart sick, but I was very hopeful that because to that point he had kept himself faithful. He'd confided in his bishop and the bishop had made him executive secretary, keep him close to him. He was in counseling. He'd been in counseling before, too, as well. I, he'd done a lot of counseling. It's, I mean, he was in his late 20s by then. And we just we just um, talked a lot about remaining faithful and going to the temple and I was, you know, just kind of holding my breath that he'd stay where he should be. And, um, you know, for a long time he was determined, but he, he got bitter, more bitter and more bitter all the time. I was worried sick. I mean, it, it, I hit the... I hit the floor big time. Did you both expect at that time that eventually your sons would develop attractions toward women? I hoped that he would, but interestingly, he actually did get engaged. And it was really the very first time that I opened the door into um, exploring, are you really attracted to this girl that you're planning on marrying and of course he wanted to be so he told me yes I am Uh, and yet I could feel it in my heart I believe that 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 I was granted a lot of um, mom's intuition going into this situation not not that I had the answers but that I had been given an intuition that possibly this was something that we were going to deal with in our lives. And and at first, when he uh, told me that he was getting engaged, I was thrilled. Had he told you by this time that he was experiencing same-sex attraction? No. 
Oh, I see. No. And he thought that if he got married, that possibly this, this would be something that would go away. It was very obvious to me that he was not attracted to this girl. And, of course, then as a mom, I became worried he was going to get married. And then, without telling her any of these things, and then all of this would surface. So, yeah, I I, I think that many moms wish that that their their sons would have attraction to women, but it did not happen. So how did things change over time for both of you? Um, you know, initially you have these, this sense that prayer and fasting, um, temple attendance, um, you know, that's, that's going to uh, maybe change things or that's going to solve things. What, what did you find over time? I very quickly realized that I was more concerned with, is my son going to commit suicide? I was more worried about just holding on and, and you know, holding on to the Lord and saying, please don't let this happen to my boy. So how did your approach and your son's approach to the same-sex attraction issue in his life evolve? Mine started to spiral downward. Um, I could see him becoming more and more bitter. Uh, before he came out to me, he was dating a girl very seriously and um, and was also in counseling at the same time. And another family member, I don't want to get too specific about it, but I have a, a close family member, one of my siblings, whose husband left her for the same reason after 30 years of marriage. And he was in state presidency at the time. And this sent my son just... He, he just felt completely despondent, thought if if my uncle couldn't do this, there's no way I can. And, um, you know, Satan started sitting on his shoulder a little bit. He just became quite bitter, and I could see him spiraling downward. And um, I, I, I braced myself for, you know, the possibility that he was going to do a 180 and walk away from the church and the gospel, and it happened. So how is your relationship with your son now? Excellent. We're very close. Um, so how, how are you able to maintain that? So as your son decided to leave the church, how were you able to maintain a close relationship with your son and still maintain a commitment to the church? One of the silver linings of this whole experience is that is it, it gave me a reason, which I shouldn't have needed, but it gave me an impetus to draw even closer to the Lord. And... And that's, that's the whole blessing of this experience, is that I strengthened my testimony, my understanding of the atonement, and my relationship with the Savior, um, so that I could know what to do and how to handle it. I, um, we've always had a good relationship, and so we're very communicative about, he knows exactly how we feel about the gospel, and that we love the church, and we're going to stand firm in that, and, and, um, he won't admit that he still has a testimony, but I try to imagine that he does on some level. He's not, he doesn't fight us or anything. He's, you know, he's still, I mean, he's, he's a good man. And, um, you know, he, he, if nothing else, he tolerates us <laughs> that way. But, uh, yeah, that, that's what we had to do is just develop a closer relationship with the Savior. And I feel that I have been given my answers on how to heal, deal with him and his partner through the Savior. 
You know, there was an Enzyme article that came out in the September 2009 Enzyme called The Best Thing I Can Do for Lee. And um, it's, it's by a woman whose sister experiences same-sex attraction. And her comment was, I know the best thing I can do to have a close relationship with my sister is to have a close relationship with Heavenly Father and His Son. Lee recently commented that it has been through the way our family has loved her that she has felt what she understood to be God's love. That sounds like it's the same kind of experience you've had. Absolutely. How can we ever expect our loved ones to have a desire to be in the family or be in the in the gospel eternally or temporally while we're here without if you if you don't have love? Why would anybody want to come back to some someplace where they're not wanted? Um, I I. I think I've been guided every step of the way how to handle it and I, how to deal with it. I personally believe that loving my son is a consequence of my faith, not, not uh, you know, that I, I can't imagine it being any other way than to, uh, to, than to love my son. Now, both of your sons have uh, male partners? That's yes. correct. Okay. How how were you both able to deal with that issue? Um, how did you feel about it when your son, I guess at some point he announced to you that he's moved in with somebody and he has someone that he uh, feels like is his partner? Yes. And ha- what happened? Interestingly, Steve, to me, I learned to love his partner just the same way that I love my son. He's accepted into our family. Now, this might be a hard thing to um, to understand, but um, I I truly learned to love my my son's companion. It's not easy, and they know that I'm not in real approval. But uh, loving was was loving came very easy. The other pieces of things, and uh, you know, uh, obviously has become a hard situation. What about you? How was your relationship with your son affected by his announcement that he had a partner? Well, he had the partner before, um, you know, he, he had the, it was his first partner. And when he went back East, um, he, he started living in this gay relationship prior to our really knowing that he had turned the 180. So is this what uh, created the impetus for you calling him and asking, is there anything you want to tell no, me? No, he or? was still at BYU at that time. Oh. And uh, it was, but I, you know, I, I indicated that he was starting to spiral downward, you know, I, I could, he was just bitter. And then he moved to the East Coast. Bitter and toward the church? Just, no, bitter about his circumstances. He'd say things like, I just wish I'd fall off a cliff. You know, I'd rather have anything than this. Why did I, why was I given this? And, um, and he, you know, there were little signs that he, that he was just walking away. And so he'd moved in with his partner, um, within a year after he moved back East. But, uh, this is, this is how I learned to deal with it. His partner is not LDS, never was. He was a raised Catholic, very staunch Catholic. And, you know, I can't. I can't judge him on any level. He does. He's never had the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's in truth, and he. How can I judge him? He's not accountable in the same way that my son is. Uh, he, you know, has made no covenants that my son had made. Um, I just have to take him like I would take anyone else, and with no judgment. And 
My son was happier than he than he'd ever been. I had to admit it. Peace, contentment. He was tired of being alone, tired of um, you know just walking that lonely path alone. And of course, he could have turned to the Savior more. I know that. I mean, he he was either unwilling or unable to do that. But um, I just try and look for the good in his partner, and um, and there's a lot of good, and he makes my son happy, and um, he's very politically active, not just in those issues, but he's very liberal, which that alone is a difficult thing for my family because they're so conservative, and uh, so th- that that presents some issues for us at times, and uh, but as far as just the two of them. The biggest problem we have to face is what will happen with the children, you know, and them teaching them. So, you know, we just accept him. Yeah, you know, as you talk, it reminds me of um, the way that Jesus used to go and, you know, meet with people who he probably didn't agree with, uh, you know, politically or, you know, socially. The the kinds of um, activities they were involved with were, were not the kinds of things that he would have approved of, but... He exhibited love toward them, and he was able to, you know, go and eat with them and um, and befriend them. And you know, if we were to focus on the faults that our friends have, we we might not have any friends, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting perspective. Um, how has the relationship um, that your sons have with other men uh, been able to work within your family dynamic? You know, uh, when you have family get-togethers, you know, holidays, um, when they're visiting, how do you approach that within your family? My children have assimilated the, um, my, my son's companion as uh, just a member of our family, uh, but my, one of my children uh, has left the church as a consequence of the younger younger sibling being gay. Yeah, there are different ways that we, we all might react to, to that kind of announcement. Um, and, you know, I guess some people feel like that the only way they can support their family member is, you know, I guess, you know, they've got to take a stand against the church. But I guess you have other members of the family who have felt like they can be committed to the church and still... Uh, committed to loving your son. Absolutely. And he's a wonderful human being. He's a very easy person to love. And I think that uh, all of them would agree with that. How about in your family? What, how have you dealt with that dynamic? Um, my children have all learned to accept the situation as well. Um, as I'm sure the children are taught correct principles when they see this relationship. And in a way, I think it's a blessing. Maybe I just tell myself that because it makes it seem easier. But they're going to learn that they can love someone who they don't agree with. And, uh, you know, we don't agree with the way they conduct their lives, but we still love them. Um, I had an epiphany early on when I was trying to turn this all over to the Lord or trying to understand how to deal with this. And it was very clear to me that... Heavenly Father created families, the family unit, because it's a place where everyone should feel loved and accepted. And um, 
no family is perfect. There's any number of problems that are inherent in a family situation. But we still love each other. And um, not that we have to accept everything that everybody does, but we don't have to fear that we'll be rejected or turned away. Um, the church is the place that teaches correct principles, upholds those, you know, vehemently upholds correct, correct principle and doctrine. But families are, even though they uphold that doctrine as well, they love without question. The church does too, but it's it's different. It's a different dynamic when you're talking about a family and you've got, you know, different ages and impressionable children that are seeing things that, um, you know, the parents may wonder about. Um, I will say, uh, I think my son's when he's by himself with his own family, he is a little more comfortable. When his partner's around, he's a little bit more stiff and I think it's because you know he knows what we believe and it's just more a little uncomfortable um, but I think that can happen in a heterosexual relationship too with a, some husbands and wives having uh, family gatherings it's not as comfortable in some circumstances as others but um, it's getting better all the time and um, we'll see what happens from now on it's been nine years the church places a lot of responsibility on parents to love and care for their children. You uh, both are familiar with the proclamation to the world on the family. Um, let me read to you a couple of things that have come from that and from some other statements. The proclamation to the world states, Husband and wife have a solemn responsibility to love and care for each other and for their children. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers will be held accountable before God for the discharge of these obligations. You know, you're both familiar with the temple questions. Uh, to get a temple recommend, one of them uh, was added in the last few years. says, is there anything in your conduct relating to members of your family that's not in harmony with the teachings of the church? And uh, I, I don't know why this wouldn't be applied to members of our family that experience same-sex attraction, the same as you know any other member of our family. Um, Elder Dallin Oaks said, Surely, if we are counseled as a body of church membership to reach out with love and understanding to those struggling with these issues, that obligation rests with particular intensity on parents who have children struggling with these issues, even children who are engaged in sinful behavior associated with these issues. How do those statements resonate with you? I feel for parents who have a teenager that comes out to them. Because then you're dealing with someone who's still a minor and is needs to obey the rules of the household. And uh, I, I just think that's got to be a very difficult situation. I guess I justify our behavior with our son because he's so old. I mean, he, he he'll... He's 38 years old. And um, I, I think it's, there's, there's, as I keep going back to the children, what are we teaching the children, the grandchildren in the family? And when I read some of those statements, and I, I talk about this to my children that have small children all the time, um, this is an awesome responsibility to make sure that they juggle this correctly. And, and, and we've made it clear to them, whatever decisions they make, with their children, if they decide they're not going to bring their children around, if you know if the, the two are there, you know, in the same room, that's their decision. They're the parents. They have the. It's their right to raise their children the way they feel that the Lord is guiding them to do it. And 
other than that, um, you know, it's kind of out of our hands because our children have children. So um, sometimes I feel it's not the right thing to do to let them stay in the same room, for instance, when they're at family gatherings. And then, um, but it was the decision that was made early on. Uh, we're not about to change it now. And I do know that Elder Oaks said in that press conference he had several years ago that it is the family's decision. They, it's their, it's their decision to make through the Spirit what to allow in their home. Certainly, teenagers, absolutely not. Um, you know that that goes without saying. I mean, we don't let our heterosexual children engage in those activities. or not will. You know, we don't accept it or embrace it. It's no different. Um, that's my feeling. You ask a question early on, Steve, about uh, our relationship with our own sons. And um, in the beginning, I would have said to you that uh, my relationship with my son was just a stellar relationship because it always had been. But in uh, but after Prop 8, my own son um, kind of estranged himself from... Uh, me, he uh, he certainly became very a, a very outspoken critic of the gospel, and he knew what I believed, and yet still continued to uh, very be very vocal against the church, and I think that um, even today there is a rift there that we have not been able to totally cross over because no matter how much I love him I love the Lord more and I know the Lord loves him as you know as much as that's even possible and so um, I I certainly hope that that rift will someday be closed but uh, but I also uh, cannot sit back while my son is bashing the church and not not comment, not tell him that that's just that's just not an appropriate way to to be. So I'm a little different in the context that um, I wouldn't say we're totally estranged from one another, but that overwhelming um, feeling that I've had all of his life uh, you know, toward one another is a little. Um, a little rocky at the present moment. That might be one reason it's a little harder for me to answer some of the questions, too. Personalities play a huge part. I mean, apart from being gay, everybody has a, a different personality. And my son's very easygoing, and he's always been a peacemaker because I'd let him have it over things that happened during Prop 8 as well. He went down to the Manhattan Temple grounds and took part in, because his partner wanted to, took part in demonstration there. And we have a relationship where I can pretty much say what I want. And I said, "How could you? How could you do that? You have no idea how much that hurt me, son. You know, it's just I just thought you had more in you than more left than that." And he said, "He told me he said I did feel uncomfortable there. I felt very uncomfortable." Well, we all have different personalities, and the way that we relate to each other is different. For some people, um, you know, this this type of situation. Maybe, maybe easier for some people to work through than others, but one of the things that's important is to, is to keep channels of communication open and um, you know, try to be honest about your feelings and where you stand and uh, 
and and we go through um, cycles in in our relationships as well. That um, you know, there there are ups and downs, and um, you know sometimes uh, we're you know in one of the down phases, and sometimes we're in one of the up phases. But yeah. how has how has the gospel uh, helped you in working through this relationship with your son? Well, undoubtedly, knowing that that the Lord loves him more than I do and that he wants him back. Um, and just knowing that my son is a son of God, that I am a daughter of God, a lot of times looking at it from an eternal perspective, I want, want someone ask me, so what do you think would be the hardest thing about all of this to accept? And it would be definitely that um, if I lived my life righteously and I made it to the celestial kingdom, that I would want him there with me. And uh, I love how the gospel teaches us about repentance and how we can return to the Lord. We can make the pathway straight, even if uh, we have veered off the road lots of times. So it gives me a stronger desire to want to to get there and to have those around me that uh, desire to be there also. I, I'll go back to the beginning as far as the gospel is concerned. I believe that my son came this way. I believe I was prepared in the preexistence to be his mother. I think I was. I accepted the challenge willingly. Um, I know that Heavenly Father didn't make him this way. He just knew that he would be this way. I think it came from mortality, pure and simple. There's no, there's no blame. There's no, um, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. It's just the numbers, the percent, you know. And um, Ty Mansfield, as the one who taught, one of the few times I've ever talked to him even, except on email, he asked me about my son, and he said, uh, what happened? How come he fell away? And and then he said to me, he tried he tried to white knuckle it. He tried to just hang on. And he said, you got to give it to the Lord. You just got to give it to him. That's what Ty said. That's what Ty said. And just said. for our listeners that don't know, um, Ty Mansfield is the author of a book called In, In Quiet, Quiet Desperation. Desperation. Okay. <laughs> All right, along with the Mattises. Okay. And he has a new one coming out, too. should be out in October. Um, and I thought a lot about that. And, and that's why I feel like it's been a blessing in my life, because I was, I mean, I thought I'd already learned a lot about the atonement up to that and, 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 and increased my relationship with the Savior. But when Ty said that, it, it gave me really a lot of food for thought. And a lot it's of hope, true. too. Yes, it's true. You just have to give it up. And that's when I really was healed. Because I just had to give it to the Savior and trust Him. Like, I can't do any more than I've done. I will continue to love Him. But, you know, I can't I can't change it. I, I can't take away His agency. I can't take away His feelings. But I um, I just have to give it to the Lord. And I did. And, and I wish that my son had been able to. But um, I could. And I think my, the rest of my, my husband has been able to. And... Um, and then we can be happy. You know, we can just trust the Lord that his judgments are perfect. Whatever they are, they're perfect. And I have every hope that 
I know Heavenly Father wants his children home, and I, I don't know what form that will take, how far he can go, but I know he'll have the opportunity to repent in the next life, if not in this life. And I don't expect that. I'm kind of a pessimist at heart for that kind of thing. But I, I, eternity is a very long time. And I believe in the sealing, the doctrines of the sealing power and what that means, um, that we will be a family forever if we, if we do repent. And, and how long that takes, I don't know. But I know Heavenly Father loves his children. And that's all you really need to know. I also have a very strong feeling that I also was prepared before I came onto this earth to have this experience in my life. And I believe that it has taught me unconditional love and um, a, a non, having a non-judgment attitude in a way that nothing else could have ever taught that to me. And so sometimes and I, I love to to have been able to cross over to, to this. Sometimes I believe that I am very blessed that this child is in my life. I shouldn't say sometimes. I always believe that he's very blessed in my life. Did I believe at first that this challenge was a blessing? Absolutely not. But has it taught me and many people that I know who also love my son to love more deeply? Absolutely. You know, it seems that anyone who is trying to live the gospel and trying to keep all the commandments gets to a point where they realize that it's impossible and, you know, that, or, or that they're trying to um, help someone else live the gospel or trying, you know, you, you're, you know, a missionary or a parent and you're wondering, you know, what can I do uh, for this investigator or for this child? And that's where you, you have to recognize that, you know, we can't we can't force someone else <clears throat> to do what they what we want them to do, and we can't perfect ourselves. And so, you know, I like what you said about, you know, you have to give it over to the Lord. And, and I think that's true not just with same-sex attraction. That's true for all of the struggles and the trials we face in our lives, isn't Certainly. it? Certainly. Absolutely. I reflected on something um, a moment ago that I wasn't sure that I wanted to share, but, I, but on this vein, uh, you asked the question um, of us about when our son first came out. Well, I had a very interesting and very spiritual experience when my son, when this happened to me. I had gone to the temple, and as I was leaving the temple, and it was in another state, and my son was here in Utah, uh, as I was leaving the temple, I was prompted to write my son's name on the prayer roll. And I could not imagine why I was doing it. I, I couldn't and there was nothing the matter with my son. And when I got home, I called him. And I said, son, uh, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, mom, I'm, I'm fine. And uh, I said, well, what I'd like to ask you to do is would you fast and pray with me for the next 24 hours? Because your name is on the Lord's mind, so much so that I was prompted to write it 
on the prayer, prayer roll. So the Lord is right now concerned about you and obviously I am too or I wouldn't be placing this phone call. And it solidified in me that the Lord knew him by name, that he knew every hair on his head, that he knew there was a struggle going on inside of him and he wanted to help. And the way that uh, that has now taken an emphasis in my life is that whole idea that the Lord loves him more than I do. The Lord was concerned about him enough to have a mother write his name on the prayer roll. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, the gospel gives us such great perspective, and um, and it's it's so powerful when we recognize and realize that God knows us and He cares for us and loves us, and that and He's given us guidance on what we need to do uh, to be happy in this life and to overcome and and, and to endure our trials. Um, science also is is helpful in helping to understand some of the things that we face it's it's fortunate that we know some of the things that we do now um i can imagine that you know 30 or 40 years ago maybe some maybe some families uh maybe some church leaders would have approached things a little bit differently if they would have known things then that we know now uh there was an interesting article that came out recently it's in the uh the Journal of Child and Adolescent Psychiatric Nursing, that um, it, it found that family acceptance of people with same-sex attraction predicts greater self-esteem, social support, and general health status. It also protects against depression, substance abuse, and suicidal ideation behaviors. Um, as I read this, you know, I... I was trying to think of ways that the suggestions made in this article could perhaps be applied within a gospel context. One of the things that they did is they listed supportive behaviors that can help families promote their child's well-being. And um, <clears throat> they referred to them as um, LGBT. And you understand that in the church we often try to avoid labeling people as being gay or lesbian. Um, as, you know, we don't want to pigeonhole people and, and, and limit people to certain behaviors, that we want to create room for them, um, you know, so that uh, if they want to, uh, to, to change and evolve, that they're, they're more able to do that. Um, so sometimes we refer to, uh, to these groups as people who are experiencing same-gender attraction or same-sex attraction. But um, in the article, then, it, it talks about talking with your child about their same-sex attraction identity. Um, that seems to me to be something that would be a, a helpful recommendation to parents in the church that um, who have children come to them and say, I, I'm, I'm experiencing these feelings. What, what are your thoughts on that? How, how would that help to foster a better relationship with a son or daughter who's experiencing same-gender attraction? Well, I think especially if the child is young, it's huge. Um, first of all, they're a child of God. And um, I think that, every, I even went through that with my son. You know, you're, you were a child of God. Your patriarchal blessing talks about your experiences in the pre-earth life and, and your strength there. And that's 
I mean, sure, you may have same-sex attraction, but first you're a child of God. And that's key to everyone. It should be. As my son's therapist told him, you know, don't identify yourself as gay. That Just because you have these feelings does not mean that it, it's a sum total of who you are. It's just a part of who you are. And I think as parents have younger children, that's very important to have that communication and to talk about the scope of, I, I had it with this other family member who has these feelings that, um, you know, you need to prepare for your career. You need to develop your other talents. You need to be build your spirit. That's just a little piece of the puzzle. It doesn't consume you. It doesn't have to identify you. Um, I, I sometimes wish I'd had that opportunity when my son was younger, but he, he couldn't even put his finger out, let alone share it with us. So I think it's very important that um, those types of things be discussed along gospel lines because that obviously the I mean you go back to the beginning of time what was the first thing that the uh, apostate church tried to do was get rid of the identity with us, of us being the children of God because if you can take that away then any number of problems can take over your life and uh, as a church we were very blessed to have, be able to have those principles that help all of us to um, overcome things that uh, shouldn't consume our lives. I think hindsight's always obviously much better. Right. Uh, if I uh, had to do it over, one of the things that I wish I would have done is talked openly about this, about the feelings and so forth uh, that that he was having and experiencing. But I think what I felt is, if I open this up, will I ever be able to shut up the box again? And would you put ideas in his and, head? And exactly. And so I think there, that as a parent, you walk this very fine line. And again, even though I had these these uh, mother's intuitions, uh, I still think, oh my goodness, what if, you know, could this possibly be true? And uh, you, you, don't, you don't want to talk about it, although it is something that, that needs to be talked about if, that, if that's what you're feeling. Well, you know, one of the ways that maybe parents can approach this is in talking I, I think all of us should be talking to our children about same-sex attraction. You know, obviously there are, you know, different levels of mm -hmm. development that, um, you know, you, you talk about some things in more detail than others. Right, uh, depending according on, to the age appropriateness. Right, right. And so, you know, as my high school age or junior high school age children uh, bring up these issues, uh, they, you know, you know there there are derogatory terms that are used in the junior highs and high schools. Um, you know, and, and there are programs that they watch on TV uh, that um, are uh, uh, dis displaying homosexual behavior. And so these questions come up. And whether or not a parent feels like their uh, child may be experiencing same-sex sex attraction, it seems to me that it would be helpful for parents to talk to their children about these issues and what does the church teach about uh, same-sex attraction and um, how does that fit in with the law of chastity? How does that fit in with um, you know all of the, the, the various aspects of the gospel and you know then maybe 
you know, a child who actually is experiencing same-sex attraction will be able to process those thoughts a little better and maybe feel more comfortable um, approaching her mother and father and saying, you know, I think I have been feeling some of those types of feelings myself. And, 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 and you know, as this article is talking about, about you know, talking with your child um, about their identity, I think that, that should apply to, to children who are experiencing attraction to the opposite gender. You know, uh, sure. par- parents should be talking to their children about that as well. We come from a generation, you have to realize that that... Was the closeted. Whole, oh, totally. Well, not only closeted, but I mean, even even the whole sexual experience we would never talk about in our home. It just was the way it was, let alone, uh, you know, something of this nature. So... Hopefully, one of the things that I see is that the uh, the next generation now does seem to be more willing to talk about things openly, and uh, I think that's wonderful. That was not the case in in my own life, and even approaching this subject, even with my own son, who I had the feelings about, was goodness, how would I ever even approach this with him? So hopefully right. hopefully parents can be a lot more open. And when when they are and when these subjects come up, one of the other things this article mentions is to express affection when your child tells you or when you learn about your child's same-sex attraction. Um, how important is that to uh, help your child feel loved in spite of or while they are telling you that they're experiencing these issues? Yeah, you don't let out a real big gasp, maybe, huh? <laughs> right, but I think expressing love is always important for every sure. family member. But these these people that experience this, it's it's vital. Well, there is such a shame that is attached to some of these feelings that they are having, and verbalizing that, and then talking with them about gospel principles and so forth would be so much more beneficial. Right. It was the first thing I said to my son when he told told me. I said, "You know, I love you," and um, and that's not going to change. I mean, I mean, it's always important that parents express love, but uh, in today's society, it with all the resources that are out there and with the incidence of same sex attraction, I think parents would be very remiss not to not to talk about it. But if you don't have those communication skills already built in. It's extremely difficult, I'm sure. You talked earlier about the um, statistic about how many, uh, what the percentage is of young men or young women. We're talking more about young men today, but or young women who, uh, what the percentage is of of people who experience this, and uh, I think that that was astounding to me when I first heard that. Uh, I'd not really known someone in my life that had this same-sex attraction so I really wasn't I was a little clueless right the LDS social services estimates that in the average LDS ward that there are probably three or four people in the ward who are experiencing same-sex attraction and you probably don't know who they are they may be married uh, they may be single but there probably are people in all of the wards in the church who are experiencing this and there are things that we say sometimes that can be hurtful. Uh, there, there are things that um, we may um, 
do that could be misunderstood and you know so I think it is important for us to recognize that uh, there are friends that we have neighbors that we have maybe family members that we have that are experiencing these issues and it's it's important for us to be sensitive to that one of the things this article mentions is to support your child's same-sex attraction identity even though you may feel uncomfortable I wonder if there isn't a way you can imagine a way that that could be inconsistent with gospel principles as we are trying to encourage people to obey the law of chastity um, but is there a way do you think that that could be applied within a gospel context and, and consistent with the law of chastity I'm gonna I'm gonna feel that one because um, our experience has been that uh, fireside groups that or get organized uh, among both men and women who are experiencing uh, same-sex attraction, they have then an avenue to bond with the same-sex, bond in a loving, non-sexual way. And uh, we have found that that is, we wish that our own sons would have had a vehicle like that available to them where they could experience the um, the feelings toward another person and uh, be understood for those feelings and uh, I believe that throughout the church now there are many other firesides of this nature uh, being organized uh, and I believe that that is such a wonderful avenue for our our young people in the church to um, bond, but not, you know, but still be able to keep church standards and their covenants and so forth. Right. Now, th that goes along with some of these other recommendations this article makes. It says, bring your child to organizations or events that, um, you know, are involved in same-sex attraction issues. I can under understand how that could be detrimental to someone's progress in the gospel depending on what kind of organization or event it is but there are an increasing number of events and organizations that try to remain faithful to the church that are dealing with same-sex attraction issues you mentioned firesides what other kinds of um, organizations or events are there that can help people who want to remain faithful to the church We've both been heavily involved with North Star, which was started by about five LDS men uh, about five years ago. And uh, it is an organization uh, on, on the Internet, basically, where, um, where people can join. They have different types of group, family and friends. They have uh, uh, young men going on missions, um, married men, single women uh, experiencing same-sex attraction also. And uh, you uh, can join onto this group and be involved with others who can help you through your own issues. So North Star is one. Certainly Evergreen Conferences um, are are good things that the church has, you know, taken a hold of that uh, can really um, make a beneficial uh, situation. Right. We should be clear. I guess there aren't any organizations that are officially sponsored by the church. That's correct. Uh, there are some organizations that um, have 
active, faithful members of the church. Um, sometimes um, general authorities come to, to speak at these groups. Uh, so the church is actively aware and, and helping to support uh, families who are experiencing same-sex attraction issues. Um, and the youth who are experiencing them, not just the families. They're right. very wonderful organizations that help uh, you know, the, the youth that are experiencing these. Well, and one of the things that can be helpful through these organizations, one of the suggestions this article makes is to connect your child with an adult role model to show them options for the future. Now, the world tends to tell people who experience same-sex attraction that your option for the future is to engage in homosexual conduct. And the only way you can be true to yourself is to admit that you're attracted to members of the same gender and, you know, to go all in, to, you know, to, to, to adopt the political agenda, to adopt the, the lifestyle, um, and to turn your back on those things that... Um, you know, are not uh, fully supportive of, of you know, the, uh, the gay agenda. Um, is there a way that, um, are, there, are there adult role models who experience same-sex attraction within the church that people can, can turn to for an example? Well, there are increasingly more, especially mm-hmm. through these organizations, people will, you know, are very open about their identity. And, uh, you know, it's just finding the resources to be able to do that. But can I just go one step back? When you said to accept their identity, I think in the basic organization of society and the church is the family. And you said that they suggested that you accept their identity. Well, I, I can't think of anything worse than a young person who has gotten the bravery to come forth to their parents and tell them this and to have the, you know, just brushed off by the parent or not you know, not accepted, like, you oh, it'll go away, or you're not really gay. And that's got to be really hard, because I think that's part of healing and a healthy, you know, it's a beginning. It's a beginning to let your life go the right path, because if your family accepts that about you, that it really is something you're really feeling, it'd be horrible to have those feelings and have everybody just dismiss them, like, well, you're nuts, or you're crazy, or it'll go away. That, that, it, they feel that way themselves. Like, what can I do with this? Right. And so um, it's very important to accept that. And then to go forward, you know, find resources, um, you know, talk about gospel principles and how to live your life uh, with those issues that you experience. I, It happens all too often, all too often. Parents who just try and talk them out of it or, it, it, you know, say it'll go away and just fill your life full of everything else and, and not deal with, yes, I experienced this. I feel this. Uh, it's, you use the phrase, it's who I am. Well, it's not who you are as a whole, as a whole, but you might feel that way when you're young and, and you can't rise above it without being accepted. Well, our true identity is children of our Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And all of us, as children of our Heavenly Father, experience different struggles, weaknesses, temptations, trials in this life. But our trials and our temptations and our tendencies are not our identity. That's correct. Um, Now, we think about things that, um, you know, you might identify as, you know, somebody might identify themselves as, you know, somebody who loves to play football. 
Um, somebody might identify themselves as somebody who um, loves to sing in the choir or loves to, um, you know, do interior decorating. And there are certain things that we say, those are things that boys do and those are things that <laughs> girls do. Yes. And so I wonder if one of the things that, that we can do to help support people who are experiencing same-sex attraction is to validate and support those things that they like to do and they want to do that are consistent with gospel principles. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a young man who likes to sing or who, uh, you know, great at picking out clothes and, and, you know, styling his hair. And so, you know, when this article is suggesting that we should support our child's identity, uh, there are things that we can do to help support their choices that are consistent with the laws of the gospel. That's right, and not force them into things that isn't that aren't natural for them. Like they, maybe they don't want to play football, and mm-hmm. all too many parents will try and force their children into things that they just don't want to do or have no aptitude for. Right. And, so if a child comes to the parent and says, "You know, Dad, I I have this this problem. I'm sure distracted by the girls in my class, and you know, I was thinking about them all the time." Uh, I can't imagine a father saying, you know, that's just who you are, son. You're going to have to go for it with every girl that you, <laughs> yeah. that you yeah. meet. You know, he's going to say, look, this is, this, is, sure. this is a struggle. This is a temptation that you have. And, and there, there, are, uh, there are certain bounds that you're going to need to set for yourself. And um, you, need to, you need to make sure that those temptations and tendencies that you have are kept within those bounds. You know, at the same time, the, the kid might like playing football or, or he might not. And so I think that there, there, there seem to me to be parallels that can be drawn as we approach these types of issues, that we all have temptations, we all have tendencies. Um, some of them turn out to be less socially acceptable than others. And so in order for someone who's experiencing same-sex attraction to, be, to feel supported and loved, uh, we may need to approach some of these issues differently than we have in the past as we're supporting someone's identity. This ends the first part of a two-part interview. Questions or comments about this episode can be sent to podcast at fairlds.org or join the conversation at fairblog.org. Tell your friends about us and help increase the popularity of this podcast by subscribing in iTunes and by writing a review. Music for this episode was provided courtesy of Lawrence Green. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or of FAIR.